Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Uh, hello, everybody. Hi, hi. Uh, who's shuffling cards? <laughs> I think it's Anthony. I think it's My Anthony. My vote is Anthony. Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, are you shuffling cards? <laughs> yeah, because we're talking about today, risk. Risk in coaching is coaching risky business. Our clients, they have to deal with risk all the time. So we're going to be talking about risk assessment, risk aversion, how our clients handle risk and how we can sort of help them navigate that uh, process. So I want to ask you guys, what is risk? What is risk? It's a game. No, not the game. It's a game in which people um, take over parts of the world and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like a last man standing kind of thing. Um, (laughs) um, I'm going to leave it to you guys. Jen, what is risk? (laughs) Hmm. Risk is uh, weighing potential reward with with risk. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would define risk as um, as sort of the um, potential, I guess, negative or or uh, outcomes kind of uh, what what the probability of something happening is. So if it's a highly probable situation, it might be less risky than something that is far less probable. Uh, probable. So if there's a one in one million chance, uh, probably a risky kind of thing. And if there's a one in 10 chance, probably a a much closer bet. Still, though, may not be a bet everybody is willing to take. Where do you guys fall in that scale? One in 10, one in a million. Where do you guys like to place your bets? (laughs) I I think I I will be a betting woman, if you will, when I do the scale of weighing each perspective out. If it seems... You know, like I'm betting against the horses. I'm probably not going to put a whole lot in that because I don't know anything about it. But the things that I'll be more familiar with, I might tip that scale a little more and put some money behind it. <laughs> I think, well, the the flip side of the coin, that maybe what we're leaving out is how much are we betting, right? So I think that that's kind of what you have to keep in mind. So if it was a $1 bet, $1, it's all it's going to cost you is $1. But you could potentially, are you actually, you're shuffling, Anthony. Do <laughs> you want to make a $1 bet with me? Yeah, sure. I'll make a $1 bet. <laughs> so I'm going to just like shuffle That's 1 in 52. Cards. 1 in 52. I'll take that bet. 1 in 52. I'm going to shuffle these around? cards around this way. You what, don't. What's the reward? What do I get? If I, I bet a dollar and I, you know. So, okay. Here's how it goes. <laughs> the card on top is the Ace of Spades then and you get a dollar if it's not the ace of spades i get a dollar from you are you willing to take that bet sure yeah that's a pretty pretty low so you know uh, low stakes low reward low reward maybe low low reward low risk but it's probably not (laughs) likely going to happen let's see if it's the ace of spades nope 10 of same suit though does that get me like a quarter or or no, dime or something. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out of the deck, so now it's a 1 in 51 chance. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Are you willing to bet $20? If it's that is an no, you're, that's too much for me. It's, it's just the odds are not there. I'm not going to... They're not. 20 bucks is too high. 
Sorry. Okay, how about this? I'm willing to bet that it's not an ace of spades. Well, if I'm betting against it, it, then yes, I'm going to take that bet. Because yeah. now the odds are in my favor. <laughs> yeah, and you you lose nothing. I'm risking $20 to say this is not an ace of spades. So I get the 20 then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, not in that Let's case. Let's do it $1,000. No oh way! And then you didn't tell me there were jokers in that deck. You <laughs> that deck. Wow. That is not fair. There's more than fifty-two cards in that deck. Let's Cheater. just say, um, if it's an ace of spade now, so sorry, I didn't know there were jokers in there. If it's an yeah, ace of spade now. now, I owe each of you a thousand dollars. Anthony, you better come pay. There's not even the yeah. ace of spades in there. He took it out of the deck. You know You're this right. guy. You're right. I did. <laughs> what I'm trying to illustrate here um, is that we probably don't even know how to evaluate risk. Um, this is my opinion. I don't think people are good at evaluating risk because they can't even possibly like understand all the factors that go into any sort of decision being made. So we all went into this assumption that there's 52 cards in this deck. What you guys we didn't know, you had jokers in there, and you yeah, take and then the ace of spades was not even <laughs> was not even in the deck to begin with. So I was in no risk of myself of losing any money. Um, guys, isn't that cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater? <laughs> <laughs> but also kind of a real life example, right? Sometimes, and that's sort of what um, when we're we're discussing this, we're discussing this around coaching. Yeah. What that does is is we may have clients that that are firmly putting things in the risky column or perhaps in the high reward or low reward column and what we can do as coaches is say hey is there ever a time when that's not risky is there ever a time when that reward may not be a sure thing and by asking kind of those open-ended questions your clients can start to explore different places and sort of start to break assumptions around the concept of risk right um because really ultimately this talk is about risk tolerance um was what this was started on and that's sort of what we are all through our our raising through our dna whatever it may be we all have a level of risk tolerance that we are willing to take and it's something in us that is a gate that says, okay, I'm willing to take this risk, but this one, not so much. Um, and we have different levels of risk, risk tolerance, each one of us. Um, so in knowing that and knowing that your clients has a level, a risk tolerance level, you can do a tremendous amount of, of, I guess, work around discovering what that is and maybe even how it may be blocking or or causing your client problems. You can go many ways. So also, I forgot to mention to everybody, please join in the conversation. Please, please, please join in the conversation on this chat. Uh, we are doing this because we want to hear from you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and be quiet for a little bit and share this so that other people actually know that we're doing this live right now. So um, whilst you guys keep continue the discussion. <laughs> In the meantime, if you think it's risky to, you know, be a certified life coach and take our level two class, you can hear from our newly graduated master certified life coach, Jen. She can tell you more about how not risky and how awesome and rewarding level two is. Yeah, level two. 
you guys said I was going to like it and uh, you were right. <laughs> so I, I mean, level two, it just, it was everything that I was looking for after level one. So level one, I was looking for growth and I got it. And level two, I was looking for confidence and I got it. Level two gave me all of the in-between nuance in the framework. Level one laid the foundation. Level two was just next level. Like you guys say, level one is in the head and level two is in the heart. And that's, that's my favorite place. <laughs> so that's why I loved it so much. Amazing. I love it. Awesome. Amazing. <laughs> um, That's well to bring it to the head and the heart, a lot of in risk, bring it back to risk. A lot of times we think this is like a headspace that we're like doing this risk analysis when we're evaluating how risky a situation is. But most of the time it's like a heart and gut sort of instinct where we like, when we think about risk, um, one example I came across when we were doing the research is people, you know, think flying in an airplane is far more risky than driving a car. And the yeah. only reason why they believe that is because there's this gut reaction and fear of flying that a lot of people get. Well, and, I think it's, yeah. it's also lack of control, right? It's, yeah. it's when I'm driving a car, I feel like I got this because I'm yeah. driving the wheel. But when I'm in an airplane, it's out of my hands. <laughs> is that a, is that a cars around you? Yeah. Is that a head assessment or is that like a gut and heart like reaction? Oh, that's, well, that's just that's superstition. I mean, that's I mean, it's not based in factor numbers or anything like that. It's just that's fear, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely fear. That's been one of my biggest fears that I've actually worked to overcome is just understanding the the logical side of where the risk lies in flying versus every other thing I do in life driving you know everything so then does it seem helpful then as coaches if we're talking about risk with our clients is it going to probably work in our benefit if we're coming at it's from a headspace and throwing data and statistic and numbers at our clients for whatever risky situation behavior they might be engaged in um, my opinion is no, it's, it's helpful to back up your, I guess, risk assessment with data and facts, but at the end of the day, that's not going to convince somebody to reevaluate their risk position or risk tolerance. Um, what do you guys think? Well, I think that we are actually providing a bit of a tool to, in this space. Um, that's where, where as a coach questions around that, is it always, is this, you know, the end all be all, how sure can you be about the outcome on a scale of one to 10? How certain are you that this outcome is actually going to happen? Right. I, mm. I think that's what a lot of the fear is around conducting. Um, you know, when you're not used to running your own business, that fear of jumping and making that leap into running your own business is really scary. And so that risk factor that you're talking about, Brooke, I think goes right along with it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, I think, too, though, it's also like getting um, how do we if we assess something as risk uh, or as mm -hmm. risky, us as human beings or our clients have, how do we talk them through that? Right. So. Jerome, give me an example of something you find to be risky. 
something to be risky. Um, yeah, then you consider risky. <laughs> let's do something a little a little relevant. I'm trying to. Jerome has never done anything risky in his life. <laughs> I try not to take too many risks. I'll be honest. Um, I mean, you have a low risk, or uh, you have a low risk, tolerance. a low risk tolerance. So thinking of um, something risky. I mean, we can. I genuinely think uh, something I, I think is risky is driving in the rain. Driving in the rain is a risky thing to me. Uh, I try and avoid driving at all costs if it's it's raining. Not only because the weather's bad. I think people just innately drive worse when the weather is is changed so i try and avoid all costs getting in the street with my car if i can while it's raining it might be helpful ever- for the viewers to remember that me brooke and jerome live in california so when it <laughs> rains here people go nuts and <laughs> they do. don't know how to drive in the rain so you know that's why we probably are thinking it's very risky People who live in a rainy environment are probably just like, that's, you know, another day. Yeah. No, I think when the, one of the things I learned from moving is there's bad drivers everywhere. <laughs> they are just everywhere. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a level of arrogance in California though <laughs> yeah. that's missed elsewhere. Uh, well, and I think there's also a level of fear when it comes to rain. That's the thing though. But what I wanted to ask you is within that space, is there ever a time that you could imagine getting in a car and driving when it's raining? Yes, and in, in, in times of need. So if I fell and broke my arm, uh, hopefully I'm not the you one. You should driving. not be driving. My arm is broken. <laughs> hopefully I'm not the one. Driving, girl. We'll flip it. We'll flip it. If one of my friends fell and broke their arm and it's raining and they're you know they're on the ground in pain, um, yes, of course I'm gonna go ahead drive them to the hospital i'm not going to be a huge fan of it um because even more anxiety is induced in that situation on top of already what happens when it comes to raining and then you know the factor of everyone else kind of not being up to par as far as what i consider being a good driver when it's raining um but i will take that risk because i don't want my friend you know to line pain for the rest of the night yeah. so in or- the, so in this space there is an opportunity for where you're willing to take the risk mm-hmm. Circling to how we would do this with clients is let's say that we have a client that is, you know, they have a goal that they perceive as risky. So, um, it, it, Jen, do you have a goal that you might perceive as risky? <laughs> uh, yes, I, um, I'm going back to Glacier National Park this summer and, um, I'm hiking all the way to the glacier as long as I'm in good enough shape to make it. And, uh, you know, there's like bears and mountain lions and there's stuff out there. So there's some level of risk. Um, how on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to doing that? A 10. A 10. So you're going to do it. There's no doubt. I have you got nothing to be coached on here then. Oh, I have nothing to be coached. (laughs) I trust you're going to do it. I trust I have no fear. You've already worked your way through the risk. (laughs) I'll do it, but there is a level of fear that will be present that I would like to not be present. Oh, okay. So what is it that you can do to tackle that fear? Um... Find a, a calming, you know, visual of a beach or something that brings me calming, peaceful, you know, feelings 
um, typically that's what I'll do is I'll just go to a, go to a calming place in my head. Although where I'll be is where I'm going to want to be visually because it's going to be so beautiful. So I don't know. I think I may just have to accept that there is a certain level of fear that will be present and just be okay with it. Which is kind of exactly what we're talking about. Anthony? I want to go even deeper. I was going to ask, what are you afraid of? That's What are you afraid of happening? You said that there's bears and mountain lions out there. <laughs> so what? There's bears and mountain lions out there. What are you afraid of happening? I'm afraid of being killed by a bear. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about that. What can you do to mitigate or lessen the risk of that happening? I Other, other than just not going. <laughs> what can you do to lessen that risk? Um, you know, have have bear spray on me. Bam. Right. Bear spray. What else? Bear spray's intense. <laughs> to be honest with you though, I really don't want to use bear spray. I don't want to harm the bear. <laughs> so there's another fear there that if I have to use it, then I'm gonna harm the bear. I'm just a mess with it. <laughs> so what I mean, what will happen then when it comes down to it and it's you or the bear spray? If it's me or the bear, I, I really believe that fight or flight will kick in and that unfortunately I'll preserve myself over the bear. I don't think the bear spray, does it kill the bear? I don't think it, it no. It just really upsets the bear. I mean, I'm not going to question <laughs> Jen whether it harms the bear or not. That's not my It's enough for the bear to like run away. But we know. It's deterrent, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we figured out that if it comes down to it, Jen's willing to use the bear spray. So that's, you know, <laughs> one thing that we can do to lessen um, the chances of Jen getting eaten by a bear. <laughs> but then um, I have this fear. Then I have this fear. What if the bear spray doesn't work? What if you, oh, spray, no. your, what if you spray yourself in the face with the bear oh, spray? God. Yeah, that's definitely a fear. Yeah. Okay, so what else? What else can you do to lessen the chance or the risk of a bear eating you not have food on me and, and smells that attract bears okay. <laughs> basic bear safety <laughs> Take you your bear. Where I'm, I'm not going to continue with this because this could be a whole coaching session but you guys <laughs> see where i'm going with this where you're nailing down what are the actual risk factors that there jen is afraid of and what can what actions can be taken to mitigate the risk? I think an important part of this too is we're not exploring here is Jen, what is the reward of, of hiking a, a mm -hmm. glacier? So the reward is that uh, the last time I went, I didn't make it to the glacier. I only made it halfway. And I realized bear? like, wait, what's that? I said, cause of a bear. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, because I wasn't in shape enough to make it all the way. <laughs> so the reward is is huge to make it all the way to the glacier. I mean, like you could see the glacier from where we made it to, but like we didn't make it to the glacier. And I just, I want that experience so bad. Uh, what What is it that you will get when you have that experience? Um, an incredible feeling. I just, I can't even, just the idea of being present at this glacier. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful and it's just so special. And it's, it's, for me, it's about the feeling of being there. What will that feeling give you? 
Ooh, wow, that's a good question. Um, fulfillment. And what does being fulfilled feel like for you? <laughs> oh, God. Um, being fulfilled means I can die. <laughs> oh, boy. My so, work is done. You're there. You're on top of the glacier. You're being fulfilled. And, and she could be eaten by the bear at that point. Yeah. All as well. and then by the bear. Would you be okay with that? Yes, actually, that's that's part of part of it is like as long as I attain the feeling I want, it's fine if I die doing it. There you go. There you go. So it's I more mean, so about stopping the stopping the bears from impeding you. Once you get there, you know, it's a free for all at that point. To, I mean, uh, but but in that space, that fulfillment, that is, I mean, really, that's sort of an end all be all moment. So mm knowing that you will have that fulfillment how and and being in that knowing that fulfillment knowing that how do you feel about the risk of doing it now i'm up for it for sure still at that 10. <laughs> but where where it gets tricky for me is when there's a risk and i don't feel like the fulfillment is as big as this one so like, you know, again, I still am back and forth sometimes with my fear of flying. Sometimes I'm good. And sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't know about this one. Bear on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so are you willing to talk through your, your fear of flying a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So tell me um, about a time that you have taken the risk of flying. Um, many times. Um, to fly to Glacier National Park. <laughs> I had to fly because I'm in Atlanta. So it's two um, fears in one. <laughs> yeah. really, no, truly that trip was two fears in one, absolutely. Um, but also, you know, my family is in Florida. So whenever I want to go see them, you know, the drive is not fun. So flying is a lot easier as long as I'm up for the fear. <laughs> So tell me about a time that when you decided that, that flying wasn't worth the risk. Hmm. A time that I decided that it wasn't worth the risk. So that's a long time ago. I mean, that was, you know, I've been like feeling the fear and flying anyways for like 10 years now. Um, Prior though to that, yeah, I, I I didn't go on trips and I didn't do things that I had opportunity to do because I was too scared to get on a plane. May I ask what made you change your mind? <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't think that it was worth it. I didn't think the decision to let the fear kind of rule my actions in life. I, I just didn't think it was worth it. I just decided that the risk of flying was worth it. So, so if we're looking at a scale, right, and it's going up and down, and the top is is life win, like everything's awesome, a win, and the bottom is a loss, right? Um, when you're you're putting your flying like in the space, right? So you're gonna fly at some point. 
the fear of flying, the, the risk of flying became less, less of a loss, I guess you could say, or a fear, that fear became less important than the, the fear of what you were losing out on by, yes. by not getting on the plane, right? Thousand percent. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you could have uh, asked or said to your, the you of 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. To, to or 15 years ago to, to get them on that plane sooner? <laughs> um, uh, I, mm, I don't know. It's like, I don't even, that person, you know, is so uh, almost a stranger to me at this point. You know, I'm just, yeah, hmm. Coaching, if I, if I would have worked with a coach, I, I would have been able to get on a plane. It's really true. Yeah. 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 Now, how has the reward been of getting on that plane? What have you gotten from that, taking that risk? I mean, it's, it's, I get, I get to live life, right? Like I get to explore, I get to, you know, see more people, see more places. It's, I get to live. And that's pretty powerful. But yeah. To live. Is that, do you ever, hold on to that when you hop on a plane like when you're terrified i'm imagining like myself like like having some kind of mantra on my plane right because i'm scared to fly too i'm don't, I'm, I'm not scared to fly i'm scared to take off and land yeah um, that is what i'm scared of it's yeah. what's i'm aware of good but that whole take it off and landing <laughs> thing is terrifying <laughs> um <laughs> Do I hold, you said, do I hold on to anything? Is there anything that you say to yourself in that, in that, those moments while on the plane that just keeps you sane, that keeps you or gets you on the plane? Um, I think I just, uh, to be honest with you, I, I accept that the fear will be present and I just, I, I don't resist it. I just embrace it. And I say, you can handle it, you know, you, you can, you can survive the fear. It'll be worth it. So yeah, I do say it'll be worth it for sure. That is, reminds me of something Lisa taught me a long time ago that changed my life. <laughs> is that, that the for most you try to stuff, the more you try to stuff fear down, right? The more you try to it down, the bigger it gets and the harder it gets to stuff down because it just grows and grows the more you stuff it and grows. But when you just accept that it's going to be there and just sort of sort of work with it almost let it like sort of propel you and and, and just you know you become it sort of make fear your your ally in some way uh it can yes it's life-changing it really is yeah. yes and i mean i just focus too on like what does it feel like in my body okay my heart is racing okay i feel like i can't get enough air and i just kind of talk myself through it like it's okay you're all right you got this <laughs> So I self-soothe. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> so when you think of the experience that that bear might be chasing you somewhere or it might not, in that chasing of the bear, the self-soothing, what can help you stay present? Not that you're really going to have a bear chase you, which I don't predict because <laughs> you, you're, you're not going by yourself, are you? Or are you? No, no. I'll, be, I'll be with my husband and my brother. Oh, nice. So in that self-soothing that you've been sharing with us, how you have been able to activate it, um, think it through, go to the next step. I'm, 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 I'm kind of hearing you go step by step in a sense. Of, of once I get to this, then I know to get to that. 
how do you bring that forward and keep that present should something arrive that tips that risky scale? Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, the last time I was there, you know, I, I did pretty good. I, I would notice though that sometimes I would I would hear a noise or something and I would be really jumpy like is that a bear <laughs> um but it never escalated my fear to a point where I felt like I couldn't enjoy myself so again like we're coaching me on this but I'm already I'm already okay with the fear um like it's 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 okay that it's gonna be there it's it's not I'm not gonna let it take that experience from me or prevent me from being present. And a lot of times there's moments that are just so incredibly beautiful and peaceful and amazing that I'm fully immersed in it and not even, not even considering the fact that there could be a bear behind a tree ready to eat me. So, <laughs> so I want to take this to another space <laughs> if we can. Um, um, I, one of the things I, I always ask, and we'll see if, if anybody's done their homework. Um, uh, Anthony, have you, do you have two things maybe that you are, have, have thought about considering doing and you're, you, you're not sure which way to go, uh, or maybe, I mean, you, you haven't even assessed the risk, but you don't know which direction to go, maybe. Mm, I guess I didn't do the homework then. <laughs> With the readings, I didn't actually think of a thing for myself. So let me think if I can think of something off the top of my head. So not having already evaluated the risk, but or I'm just unsure. Is there of... something you want to do that you don't know what the next step is? That maybe there's more than one option. I'm um, looking for a situation where we might have more than one option. <laughs> more than one option. Or Jerome. Or Lisa. I say, okay. okay, I've got one. I've got one. It's... um has to do with more financial aspects, but it's thinking about short and long-term savings um, towards getting a house. Because um, right now, me and my friend, um, shout out to my friend Caleb, you know who he is, Brooke. Um, I can't see, I, I got a business card for a realtor. We're in the city I live in, Redlands. And Someone recommended to us offhand that we should talk to him if we're interested in buying a house. He's great. So my friend, Caleb, went and talked to him, independent of me, and got a ballpark estimate that 50000 is kind of what you need to save to like be able to have you know your foot in the door for a lot of the STEMI okay places here. That's a lot of money. And I need to think about how I need to go about investing or saving my money um to sort of reach that goal um that 50,000 ish goal and i could put my money away in a savings account very low risk but very little reward i'm not even really beating inflation at that point or i could do what i did a little while ago which was play the stock market that was really fun um i was involved in that whole GameStop AMC shenanigans where it was very high risk, high reward, lots of fun. I really enjoyed it, but I also only enjoyed it because I didn't lose a lot of money. I made a little bit of money, but there was the very real possibility of losing pretty much everything I would have put into that. So I'm trying to figure out 
the balance of where I should invest and save my money to reach this goal. And as it turns out, I'm pretty risk tolerant. I get a little bit of a thrill knowing that <laughs> I can my money. Um, so I'm trying to go forward and see what it is realistic for me to reach my goal while still, you know, saving some of my money. And I don't, so I haven't really we, made steps towards that. Before we even get there, right? I, I One of the things we're talking about, we know the obvious reward is this 50,000, right? But there's a couple ways we can also define that that space. And there's a, f- a couple few ways we can define risk as well. Because what are you risking outside of money? Time. Time. I'm okay. risking time, which is even a... Because this, this is how I've always thought about money is how much time does this actually equate to? And this changed throughout my life, you know working my first job my time was only worth about 10 but 10 nine bucks an hour i can't even remember but you know i'm not risking that much in terms of my time but when we're talking about fifty thousand dollars losing an investment of tens of thousands of dollars that is time that is being shaved off my life essentially that's how i envision it and that's very scary to lose that amount of time because then I start to think about how much time in the future is that going to take for me to get that back? And then that's when the dread sets in like, Oh my God, that's like months or weeks or years of time. So yeah. Yeah. What, how much time has to pass for it to be risky? Mm, Right now. Well, well, are we for it to be risky? Are we talking about anything or how do you define time risk (laughs) i would measure it in the span of months at this point weeks so you know that's fine when it turns into months that's when i start to get that sick feeling in my stomach like i gotta so how many months so i just want to try to get an idea here where fifty thousand is the goal right fifty thousand well even beyond that getting a house is the goal Okay, getting a house is the goal. So then 50, that's a good definition or a good way to think. So maybe the goal isn't 50,000 then. The goal is just getting the house. That is. Yeah. So but I've, I've decided for now that 50,000 should be the way I get to that house is the first step. Is there step. any other way that you can think of getting to that house? I could squat in a house, <laughs> find an abandoned house and squat in it. Um, I could wait. I could sit on my butt, hopefully inherit a house. If my parents decide to move out and mm-hmm. into a smaller space, then I can possibly inherit the house. But that's not even, I don't know anything about that. Um, I could, how else could I get a house? <laughs> Build a house instead of, <laughs> I could not even play this whole game. Land, right? At that I point. Buy land. <laughs> Get the material, figure that out, build the house. Which just actually just hammer some wood together. Just hammer yeah. some wood together. Yeah, that's all you gotta do. Saying that out loud feels like less risky and more rewarding. It just takes time and money, and mm-hmm. I don't know and, how much. And some know-how, probably know-how. for it to be a house. That's I'm, I'm lacking a lot of information in that space. Whereas if I'm buying the house, I would be relying on other people's knowledge and know-how um, about that. They're just telling me. I could marry someone with a house, Natasha. Uh, 
<laughs> that's true. You that's could marry another somebody. option. <laughs> um, but for the time being, let's just say I want to save money for the house to have a, a nice, sizable down payment, and I can get my foot in the door as far as bidding goes. Um, okay, so fifty thousand. Yeah. How do yeah. we? How do you get to fifty thousand dollars? I look at what my income is versus my debt. I figure I pay off the debt before I even think about, you know, putting more money down. And then I have to look at my options as far as investing goes as to, you know, how much time am I willing to wait and how much risk am I willing to take to get to that 50,000 mark? I could go to the casino, just try to get 50,000 that way. That's not going to happen. That's okay. So right now, casino, that's investing investing casino saving over long periods of time right so those are three of the options any other ways any other ways aside from that i can sit with a financial advisor to work the numbers with me um, because it's a little bit over my head sometimes and getting somebody who can give me solid advice um, and look at my entire portfolio, you know, they could so, probably talk to me. When do I want that 50,000? Cause I don't want to wait 10 years and waiting one day is too risky for me. So I would probably sit down, talk to them, figure out is five years reasonable with what my income is um, and go about that way. So financial advisor, mm -hmm. investing mm -hmm. and investing. I mean, that investing may still be a part of financial advisor, but for yeah. now, financial advisor, yeah. investing, um, uh, uh, casino and saving over a long, long period of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Any other ways? <laughs> I could, well, now I'm my brain's going all over the place. I could just try to start my own side hustle and just make the money instead of saving what I what's coming in. I could just try to generate more money. Could rob a bank. I could rob a bank, yeah. <laughs> You could start, you know, uh, uh, some seedy underground business. <laughs> Which then, so what do I? So now, now I'm starting to go off the rails no, a little no, bit. Okay, but let's, I'm bringing you back. Well, yeah. okay, I'll I'll ask no, the question yeah. after we're done coaching me. Uh, um. So, but so given those four options, we've got. We'll stick with the four for now, just for the sake of time. We'll stick with the four. So, um, with those four options, uh, you have saving, mm -hmm. you have financial advisor, mm -hmm. you have um uh well why am i my oh investing and then you have which one am i forgetting casino <laughs> yeah so of all of those which which one are you leaning to most towards most my mind goes to financial advisor scale of one to ten how comfortable are you doing the financial advisor route ten i'm pretty comfortable that. with that okay and the, so and the reason why oh yeah. <laughs> The reason ahead. why is because they filled the gaps in my knowledge, because I'm always worried that if I'm doing stuff on my own, there's something that I'm not seeing that I need a third party who's more knowledgeable to work with me. And I'm not comfortable with getting a financial coach because I want people to give me actual advice. I don't, <laughs> I don't want... What, so... Yeah, go on. 
what what does what does hiring the financial advisor do for you? Provides me security, knowing that this person um, is looking out for my best interests, um, and they're paid to be knowledgeable in the subject that what they're you know advising in. Would you say it reduces the risk? Um. No, I wouldn't say it reduces the risk. I say it because whatever I do choose to do with that financial advisor's risk will carry its own risk independent of the advisor, but it does make me feel better um, going into potentially risky situations because I get to see a bigger picture. So it makes you more tolerant, more comfortable more tolerant of the risk yes it makes me more tolerant of the risk um because i get a bigger picture um so we have your next step that's it we're done we know what you're doing fantastic there we go problem solved (laughs) question then what do you do if you get a client who wants to do something that's obviously if we're not putting our coaching hat on that's obviously risky or stupid behavior. Like what if I just, what if I was just like, I want to rob a bank. Can you coach me how to rob a bank? Okay. Well, talk to me about robbing a bank. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a quick way to outside of breaking the law. No, but like Lisa, yeah. we've given this example. If your client wants to jump off a cliff, you don't tell the client you can't, they can't jump off a cliff. No. We, of course, hopefully they're jumping off a cliff for productive reasons. They're not committing suicide, but they're, they're like, okay. we're going to talk me, to them about how to safely jump off the cliff. <laughs> let me, let me actually ask. So that's a little too out there, which is breaking the law. Let me bring it down a notch. I want to take all my savings, go to the casino and gamble and make that $50,000. To any reasonable person, that sounds like a horrible idea, but how would a coach handle something like that or how should they handle something like that that's well i mean first and foremost what is first what are we working on what are what am i working on with my client that they are i'm saying i I, i've never been to a casino before but i know people and i'm just gonna play dumb for now i know a lot of people make money at the casino i've seen people and i've known people who've made lots of money gambling I want to go to the casino, but I've never been to a casino before, you know, and I don't know how taxes work with that stuff. How do I figure this out? So we're going to ask questions around, okay, is there ever a situation that, that where, where it hasn't worked out uh, on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to doing this? And if so, okay, well, uh, let's talk about the potential outcomes. Let's figure out if this is a, there is sort of, in this case, you might be helping them to explore, um, when people think may think something is a sure bet, right? Yeah. So one of the things we can ask in that space is, well, is it always a sure bet? How certain are you that it will be a sure bet? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to sort of, it's, it's sort of like the opposite of a block. Like we have a block one way that's keeping people from doing things. It's more like a blinder, right? So we're going to, the same way we remove blocks, we're going to remove blinders. So we're going to sort of ask questions that might open them up to other possibilities so they can see the whole picture and then bring them back into an informed decision. And But it's not up to us to pass, pass judgment. We don't pass judgment. If that's what the, they choose to do after discussing it through and that's what they still want to do, we are not here to tell them they cannot. <laughs> um, 
we are just here to make sure that they're making an informed decision essentially mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and even then they may want to be uninformed that might be enough for them they might say no that's all i need to know i'm good okay great is there anything else you want to work on today <laughs> um that's that right it's we're not the one telling them to do it or not do it because as soon as we do that we are now taking responsibility for their actions are we not so uh Misha Safran asks, could we ask what the potential consequences, positive and negative, might be? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would not use the word consequences. I would say outcomes, uh, simply because consequences have an innately negative connotation. The preference would be to say potential outcomes, potential, um, I think outcomes is more neutral language. Because um, we could also say, what could the possible wins be? Like, what could the possible- yeah, what are the rewards <laughs> of doing this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, potential, you know. But what we want to do is sort of remain in a more neutral languaging in that space when asking those questions. Yeah. And so it's you could work into, you know, I have a, I have a tool that has helped others. That pros and cons list is that something that would help in this situation? You well, know, that client. Yeah. Speaking of which, we have created a tool <laughs> to help you with this exact sort of thing. We or and you. Well, I did. I created it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's not a tool that I've invented. This is one taken for, that's been used many times before. Um, it's just a reimagining of it, of how you can use it with your clients. And it is basically um, a risk reward matrix. And one side is, and we'll be sharing that. It'll be in the article for this. We can actually, we'll drop a link to it so that that way you guys can use this. Um, it also gives you ways to ask around questions and, and uh, even it has you calibrate it with your client. Uh, sort of prior to so that they can sort of define what rewards are and what risks are for them in each situation. And it's just a nice one side says reward, high, low, one side says risk, high, low, and then they can sort of put where things fall in that and talk through. And it's really not as much about where they're putting things on there and more about inviting a discussion around around the these concepts of risk these concepts why they're placing things where they're placing and what what that means for them and if it is always the case it should be seen less of as less of a, an assessment tool and more of an exploration tool hmm. i would say yeah um if that makes any sense but we'll be sharing that for everybody <laughs> Rusty, I like his comment. Hey, I would be a professional poker player all day if I, if I, um, honestly, I would. It would be something Here's, I greatly love to do. What about and this? I would, all, I would run into that like this is not risky. Here I go. <laughs> what if it's I, unprofessionally and underground? Uh, no, well, you're not going to make me. No, I would. It's, uh, mine will be above board. <laughs> not, for you, not for you. I'm talking about your potential client is what I would say. <laughs> well, if it's illegal, the moment anything illegal, any of that nature comes yeah. up, we, we uh, are bound by the uh, our own ethics to report. <laughs> um, so, you this know, is all, this is also kind of why it's important in a coaching contract, any sort of coaching contract, you, you know, very explicitly say like, you're not giving advice and whatever decisions the client comes to, like that's their choice. You're not responsible for the actions that come from coaching. It's, and this is like also not just, if we're talking about consequences, we're talking about, you know, wins too. If a, if a client does something and they, it's a win for them, you're not taking responsibility for that win for them. The onus and responsibility for any action or risk is still on the client. Um, and we want to like emphasize that too, while we're coaching. 
mind you, we have had running jokes about how we were going to be like like uh, coaches for criminals. For <laughs> like, yes. How can I help you better commit this crime? Yeah. Well, I'm still brainstorming potential April Fools' articles. Um, so that might be one of them. Um, depending on how risque we want to be with our April Fools'. Um. So really, I mean, this this whole conversation about risk, again, I think it's a good attitude. It's Think of it as a coach, we should be entering these conversations with our clients from a place of flexibility, from a place of, create, uh, of curiosity, and um, also from a place of, uh, of exploration. And, and, and just, it's about opening up the possibilities and opening up and getting less, I guess, more like Anthony did getting more comfortable with the risk uh, if it's a goal that they're very serious about. And that's where you're going in these spaces is you're, 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 you're connecting your client with the reward, like with Jen of getting all the way up that mountain and the way she's going to feel that, 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 that it's okay. She's going to get on a plane. She's going to hike a mountain, even though, or hike up a glacier, even if there's bears there. Why? Because the reward is worth it. So we get her most connected to that reward, then she's able to get past the fears of that risk. Or with Anthony, we're going to talk through so that he can get more comfortable with the risk. And that's what we're doing with our clients is we're really exploring these spaces with them and exploring what has to happen so that they can keep moving towards their goals um, in, in the face of risk. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Jerome. I just say, I wanted to define it earlier when we were asking what risk is. And I think really, and Anthony kind of brought it up, it's really, there's, I feel like for the most part, it's innately heart-based. Um, and to be able to kind of tangibly set out a path and explore, like you were just mentioning, Brooke, really helps with that comfortability of being able to actually take on that risk, whatever it may be, um, which I think is, is, it's great. And I think a great place for a coach to be. And I think one of the things we could have done with Anthony too, if we had had the time is connected him to the reward of, of owning a home and um, really gotten him to have that emotional connection as to why that is important to him and why that is important to him in a certain amount of time and what that will mean for him and, and getting, getting tapping into that emotional investment, that emotional reward. Cause uh, every single time for us, ultimately what we want, it comes down to an emotion. It's not about what it is tangibly it's really ultimately not about getting to the top of Glacier Point. It's about having the fulfillment of doing that, right? It's mm -hmm. not about owning, actually owning a home. It's about having the fulfillment of knowing that you could and you did and you have it now and there's a security and there's a sense of, of, of accomplishment that comes with that. All of these things that we want, our goals are tapped, linked to an emotional something in us. And so it's very important to get your client to that reward or that that emotional reward and that will help them overcome the risk fear so much more um so very 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 good point <laughs> jerome um uh also too all of this brought up because i was reading an article that said i have a high risk tolerance and i was like what does that mean <laughs> um because i have adhd so um I want to ask all of you guys. Can I ask all of you guys? Do you guys have high risk tolerances? I think I know. No, I know for a fact. I'm not very risky as a person. What about you guys? High risk. I have. I have high a high risk. risk. Well, less now. There was a time that it was much. It's changed. It's evolved. 
So I'm aware that I am innately capable of having a high risk tolerance. Being that awareness has has brought my risk tolerance down much further. And I do not take risks barely at all compared to what I used to. So yeah, absolutely. It's changed with age. Absolutely. Um, I think that depends really. Um, like there's some situations like with probably money, I'm less risk tolerant in other situations. Like, I don't know, social situations or I'm trying to think of other stuff like that. Like I don't really think of it in terms of risk or versus reward. So I might be do things that are seemingly more risk tolerant um, than I would be with other things. Um, Whereas I ask myself in every situation if I'm going to get murdered. So, <laughs> and that can be a really a real damper on, on choosing to be social or not. <laughs> I think, I think how it is with me is if there's not actual numbers involved, then I'm fairly risk tolerant. Once there's actual, you know, quality or quantitative measurements, then I start to become like, you know, super headspacey, risk uh, adverse, and then, you know, stuff That's like right. that. I agree. I agree. I'm totally the opposite. That's I, I just feel like you can put numbers to anything. Um, if you dig around enough, there's probably some sort of study that says this is probably not a good idea based on whichever direction you're leaning towards. So yeah, but I'm the exception. I need to get past it. I know I should. I'm working on it. But um, I, I, yeah, that's me. I'm an overthinker sometimes. Numbers what about you, tremendous comfort. <laughs> um, what about you, Lisa? Paralysis by analysis. I think it really depends. I'd probably toggle between four and seven, anywhere in there as a risk factor moving towards. I don't think I've ever been a 10. And uh, it was back in the day when I was younger, I would go through doors and things like that. Like when you were talking about Anthony more on a per personal kind of level and people would go, don't do that. And I would find different ways in, uh, not, not, you know, cheating by no means cheating, just getting around things in a, in a more <laughs> um, concise way, I would find uh, different avenues. So on those kinds of things, that might have been a higher score as far as risk factor, because there was, um, you know, to me, there's no skin off my nose. I'm going to risk in investigating. But when it always came down to finances, we are very, and I say we because of my husband, we're very conservative. We make sure um, that risk factor is something that we can tolerate whichever way that goes. And we've always lived that way. So that that's kind of the cool thing is what can you tolerate and what can you push just a little bit for your future growth? Um, and that's always been that consideration. I like that. What can you push a little bit? That's nice. Push past the, the comfort and get into just being able to recognize what opportunities lie ahead. Jen, what about you? So like Brooke, um, I feel my, my risk tolerance evolving for sure. Um, and like you, I also feel like I have a higher tolerance in specific areas and a lower tolerance in specific areas. 
One risk that has come up for me in this conversation is the risk of the investment I made in coaching. For me, that was a big risk because it was a lot of money and it scared the hell out of me. It really did. And just to clarify, I, this is you being coached, right? Not <laughs> you. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. This is, <laughs> this is me hiring my first coach. I mean, I remember being scared about the risk of the money um, because, you know, the money, like you said, too, it's, it's also time. And it was so worth it. And um, I just I just got to say, like, it, it, the money investment and the commitment was scary, but it also made me realize that, like, I had to do the work. I had to be open. I had to be willing. I just put this money into myself, like investing in myself. And um, yeah, that's just the risk that came up for me. I realized that I'm really, really happy that I took. Well, I think it's about wraps up our time. We've been talking for a full hour about risk and risky things, uh, risky business, as it were. <laughs> um, for final thoughts quickly I think that we just kind of did our final thoughts yeah, so I'm I think gonna wrap so. it up right now <laughs> um, okay, I got one more thing I want to tell you it's inappropriate. <laughs> can, can, I, can I say one more thing <laughs> you guys got me thinking though about um, about my, my trip and how I want to experience it and I think just really focusing on being present and just look at where I am and just live and just be in that moment will be enough. I think uh, the bear fear will just kind of float into the background. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I so bet that's yeah. yeah, I bet that's true. That's that mindfulness, right? <laughs> um, um, so, which uh, awesome final thoughts, awesome note to end it on. So thank you for that, Jen, that's amazing. Um, and we're so if you if you want to talk more about risk, if you want to take a not a risky, it's not a risk. I promise you, it, it won't be risky. Uh, check out Certified Life Coach Institute. It's practically a sure bet. We're just going to say it is a sure bet. Actually, we certify coaches in three days. We're award winning. We've been in business for 12, 13 years. We certified over 10,000 coaches. That is the kind of risk I'm willing to take. So check out Certified Life Coach Institute, um, certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Also like, share, all of that good stuff. Leave comments if you have questions on this, these videos. We want to hear from you. And I think that's all. Thank you, guys. Also, we'll do this next week again at 4 o'clock. Tune in. See you guys next week. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF-accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.